You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. As I was uh, as I was working on this, so, well, first I should say uh, this morning is Remembrance Sunday. If that has surprised any of you, and you feel like you need to sort of back up or go, you know, um, take care of yourself in a way other than being in the sanctuary, feel free to do that. As I was working on putting the service together, I kept hearing this little voice in my head saying, "Sing, Spirit of Life." at the start of the service. And I sat there and I thought, really? And the voice kept coming back and I finally said to it, why? And it said to me, Spirit of Life is an invocation and this service is one big prayer. And I said, okay. So we're gonna sing Spirit of Life twice today. We're gonna sing it in just a moment together to open the service, to invoke that spirit of life and invite it into our bodies, into this space with us. And then we will sing it after our prayer as we always do. Shall we? If you have a grown-up you trust to help you find your heart, it's usually somewhere in the middle of your chest, like Jenny said. What does it feel like? 
you can't find it in your chest, you can find it in your neck, maybe, or your wrist. Is it like drums? Or is it like a watch ticking, if you still know what that sounds like? <laughs> As Adrienne Marine Brown says, my heart is a thousand ancestors clapping the rhythm for me, singing, don't waste it, don't hoard it, don't wait, be here now, don't rush, it's a dance, it's your life, there's enough. I love that. Feel your ancestors clapping for you. And imagine how many ancestors are in this room, if there are thousands of them, clapping for each of us. And how many ancestors are joining from the rooms of all of you who are here with us online? There are so many. Look around. Imagine the ancestors of somebody else in this room clapping too. Some of our ancestors would be a little shocked to be in the same room together, I imagine. <laughs> Sunday morning, as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, is the most segregated hour in America. Still true. Today is Remembrance Sunday. It's the day we set aside to honor our ancestors and in particular to name those we have lost in the last year and remember their lives and their impact on us and the wider world. And today is also the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday, the Sunday before we mark his birthday, January 15th, 1929. Of course, he didn't die in the last year, but his legacy impacts each of us every day. When we put two things next to each other like we're doing this Sunday with Remembrance and King Sunday, we can learn from how they play together or talk together, each one helping us understand the other better. Let's explore together what this means for us today. And let us also now say welcome. Welcome newcomers, visitors, and guests to First Universalist Church. Your presence is a gift, and we are delighted that you have chosen to join us, especially if you are in person on this frigid Sunday. Welcome, yes, let's clap, I like that. Welcome longtime members, new members, and friends. Each of you enriches our collective journey with your wisdom and experience. Every time you choose to be with us, you make a difference in and out and to this community. We are grateful to be fellow travelers with you. My name is Ashley. I'm one of the ministers among you. Today, I'm joined by Paolo leading music. And Reverend Arif on the chancel, also Olu and John here to enhance our experience online and to make possible the fact that you can hear me now. 
We're thankful for our ushers and greeters and artists who create this sacred space. And this moment reflects hours of all of their and our work. We hope with hopeful hearts that this time will nourish and transform you. And now I'd like to invite our chalice lighter forward. Come on up. And invite you to say as we light the chalice, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. With open hands and hearts, may we give, receive, and grow, guided by our love this morning on our shared journey. Let us breathe and arrive now. I have a story that I want to share with you all this morning. The story is called A Shelter for Sadness. You can follow along on the screens. A sadness has come to live with me, and I am building it a shelter. I am building a shelter for my sadness and welcoming it inside. I am giving it a space to sit or lie down, to curl up very, very small, or be as big as it can be, to run around or stand still, to be very, very noisy, or very, very quiet, or anything in between. In this shelter, my sadness can turn to the wall or look out through the window. In the middle of the night or in the day, the windows will open to let sounds in or close to keep them out. The shelter I build for my sadness will have light from the sun or from the moon and stars, but the windows will have curtains that my sadness can draw when it wants to and light, if it wants, from candles or lamps. Lots and lots of light or no light at all. My sadness can sit in darkness if it wants to, whatever it feels like. Because this is a shelter for my sadness and it has a right to be there. And I will make my shelter strong so that in winter my sadness will be safe against the storms. But I will give it a little garden too so that in spring Birds will come and build their nests, and green shoots will peek up through the dark earth. In summer, roses will bloom, and their scent will steal in under the door, and my sadness can open the windows and breathe in and smell them 
if it wants to. In autumn, my sadness can look out at the trees and cry when the leaves turn red and orange and fall to the ground. Or it can go out and run through the leaves and hear the sound they make. It can build bonfires and dance around them or sit quietly and watch the flames. Anything it needs to. Sometimes I will visit my sadness in its shelter every day, every hour if needed. Sometimes we will run into each other's arms and hug and cry and talk. And sometimes just sit next to each other saying nothing. Sometimes I will be too busy to visit my sadness, but that's okay too. I have built a shelter for my sadness and it is safe inside. Nobody will hurt it. I can visit whenever I need to, whenever it calls to me. And whenever my sadness wants, it can come out of its shelter and hold my hand. And we will look out at the world and discover how beautiful it is together. Dear ones, here on Remembrance Sunday and really every other day of the year, we build together in this sanctuary a shelter for our sadness for our joy, too. But on this day, let us create this shelter for our sadness together, knowing that all of our sadnesses can find a space here, can be visited when they need us to visit them, can just sit next to us and each other when that is what they need. May it be so. Speaking of shelters, our giving partner today is Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative, a collaborative of congregations united in action to create homes and advance equitable housing in Minnesota. Their mission sits at the intersection of healing of two of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s identified evils of the world, poverty and racism because Beacon understands that systemic racism causes housing inequalities. If you would like to work at this intersection with your hands and with your time instead of with your resources, we have another opportunity coming up on January 27th to help build a Habitat home or multiple of them. And we are still looking for members of that team. We have about 11 or 12, and we are working towards 20. I have assurances from Chuck that this is indoor work you will be doing. <laughs> Finishing work, he says, as though we understand what that means. Um, painting, flooring. You don't have to have any skills, just a willingness to do as you are told. And learn. Uh, volunteers must be 16 or older. Caitlin? All bodies welcome and appreciated. Thank you. See Chuck, 
Chuck, will you raise your hand and wave? Ha, that one. In the social hall after worship for more information. And now let us give boldly, give generously, and practice the skill of giving. And if this is a week when you need to practice the oftentimes harder skill of receiving, please see me or Reef or send us an email and we will connect with you about resources we have available within this congregation. Let us receive our morning offering. before he was um, murdered, he was actually recorded asking his friend to play this song. So every year when this day comes along, I, I like to sing this song in, in remembrance, um, and it always gives me chills. This is number 199 in, our, in the blue hymnal, if you want to sing along. I'll give you one more verse, and then we'll transition.
that hymn was also very important to one of my teaching pastors. And I'm just feeling his absence. In this sanctuary, we know that each of us is a miracle. A few grains of earth and water and stardust come together. A spark of life is ignited. We know not how. About 280 days later, that life enters our planetary atmosphere. The breath of life is breathed into it. A new being is here amongst us. They grow. They learn. They change. They love and they are loved. They are formed by the people around them and they form the people around them. They love. They are loved. They love and they are loved. They lose someone they love. They are loved. They love. Loss comes again and again. We know not when, but we know for sure that it will happen. Such is the way of the world that this life is born into. They love and they are loved. People touched by this being remember them some for a short time, and some forever. They love, they remember some, they forget others. They hurt and are hurt, they love and are loved. Losses come, new seasons turn. At some point, At some point, the life that began with a spark dims, is extinguished. They are loved. They are grieved. They are remembered. Others tell their story. Others try to bring alive something that mattered to the one who was extinguished. The one lives on, but differently. The one is forgotten to all but the other forgotten ancestors. Together, they, the ones whose names are no longer said, keep watch, keep cheering. In quiet moments, we can feel them at our backs, whispering their prayers of joy and courage for us. Keep going. We are with you. Keep going. Another one of my 
teaching pastors said that when we lose someone we love, we enter into the largest company in all the world, the company of those who have known love and those who have lost the one they love. We live this loss each in our own ways, knowing that there is no one right way to grieve, that grief will visit us at times expected and times that surprise us, and that above all else, our bodies know just what we need in order to grieve and to remember well. That the work of grief is the work of love, is the work of listening to what we need and then giving that to ourselves. So this ritual that we do on Remembrance Sunday is an act of praying together. And so I invite you into this prayer as we pray together today Please come forward as you feel moved. Place a photo if you brought one of the ones who you lost this last year. You can place those photos across the front of, this, uh, of the chancel. Say their name into the microphone if you'd like so that we can hear them named amongst us. Light a candle if you wish to make visible the flame of memory that burns so that we may experience its warmth and guidance with you. If you're online and you shared a photo and name with us, members of the congregation will place your photo. We'll name your loved one. We'll light a candle here for you, and we invite you to light a candle at home as well. And if you have not lost someone in this year, I invite you to hold space for the congregants who have to build this shelter for our sadness and loss together. In this way, let us pray our prayers of loss and love here in the sanctuary and on Zoom, far and near, yet one strong body. I invite you to come forward as you feel moved. Glenn Van Lanningham. Dale Van Lanningham. Sasha Bell Carlson. My cat, Hazel. Linda Schenk. Phil Hendershot. My dear dad, Daniel Strube. My beloved cat, Agate, and showing my Catholic roots, Monsignor Cletus Hawes, my dad's cousin and mine. Carolyn Young. My cat, Bobby. My dear friend, Betty Morgan, poet and teacher. Vern Metzold. Betty Mills, a former member of the National UUA board, who was a leader in Bismarck, died last summer at 96.
my mother, Marjorie Laura Jenkins. Christine's and my respected best friends from college, Kate McKay and Tracy Dalton. Our dear cat, Sunshine. Janet Dillon, who helped me become who I am. Our cat, Butterbun. My beloved cat and tether to this world, Chancho Cornelius. My best friend, Jane Greenberg. My grandfather, Robert Smither. Brian Nolte and a family cat, Merlin Narvaez de Mejia. Tom Jackson, Michael Moore, Mike Casserly, Bob Tonelli, Peter Olson, Elon Wittenberg. My sister-in-law, Renee Schubert. Audrey and Matt Hein. Grab the book. Muriel Keel and David Decker. Bellen, the world's most acrobatic 13-year-old Norwegian forest cat. My Tia Santo Zaragoza. Our dog, Julie. Richard, Paul Kafer, Ellen Marie Healy, Andy Kelly, Sophie, John, William Erickson, Rita Franchette. As we close this time of memory and of care, we hold to those 
in the congregation who are moving through joys and challenges in their lives and who invite us to share in this journey with them. If you are holding a joy that you'd like held in community, if there is a sorrow that weighs on you that you'd like help carrying, I invite you to name those aloud or in the chat or hold in the silence of your heart. And our thoughts this morning are with Jennifer Schuster Yeager, Rich Yeager, and Ben and Elliot Yeager on the death of Jennifer's father, Frederick William Bill Schuster, on December 31st. A loving husband, father, grandfather, brother, minister, and friend. You can read Bill's obituary and learn more about his remarkable life by following the link that we shared in the liberal. And our love and care is with Reverend Jen, who is in Baltimore this weekend, caring for her father, Cliff. As some of you know, his health has been declining for some time. And our love and care is with Jen, Cliff, and their family. And we offer our prayers and care for Jean Guion and Tom Allen as they bring Julie Allen home from memory care for her end-of-life journey. Family and friends will be holding vigil with Julie with the support of their end-of-life doula and hospice team. For all of the losses that we have named, for the shelter that we have created for our sadness, for the shelter we have created for our sadnesses, as well as the joy and celebration that sits right by its side. For those named aloud, for those held in the silence of our hearts, we are grateful. May it be so, and amen. And let us sing together again, Spirit of Life.
at some point, I am going to remember how mushy I get in this service. Today is not that day. <laughs> Last month, I was at a retreat with Sylvia Borstein, and she shared a story. Sylvia is a Buddhist teacher, and she shared a story that she, not infrequently at, at talks, at retreats, she will look at the gathered crowd and ask, how many of you think you're going to die? And she said, she said you'd be surprised by the number of people who do not raise their hands. And then she said something that really stuck with me. She said, this is a terminal project that we're on. That is guaranteed. And so when we gather for Remembrance Sunday, we name the losses that we have experienced in this last year. And we also naturally reflect on our own mortality. To be alive, once we reach a certain age, which is somewhere between the ages of five and seven, is to live with the awareness of the reality of our deaths. For some of us, that is a distant reality that we don't think of much, if at all. And for others here in the sanctuary, it is an ever-present companion. Naming our losses from the year brings to heart all of the other losses that we've experienced. That's the nature of grief. It quickly overflows its boundaries and brings everything else forward with it. Grief is messy that way. It's probably the messiest of emotions that we have. And for some of us, today makes us think about our legacy. Of course it does. Of course it does. Now, it might feel a little strange to place Remembrance Sunday in a month where we're making space and on a day on which we traditionally mark the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. As Reverend Ashley said when we started this service, when we place things that are not quite alike next to each other, we get to learn from how they play together, how they talk to each other. And I think there's a good conversation Remembrance Sunday can have with Dr. King's birthday when they sit together at the table of making space. We can ask ourselves, as our people, as those we have lost, join the cloud of witnesses, that great company of ancestors at our back, we might ask ourselves, what are they saying to us? What is King saying to us? And what might they say to each other? When we live in history, we are always doing this sort of making space. 
scooching over in time and in understanding, that we might move with the currents of history in order to shape the future. Resma Menachem, the author of My Grandmother's Hands, knows about this. As he notes in that book, My Grandmother's Hands, history matters, and an awareness of it puts our lives into a context. A disdain for history sets us adrift and makes us victims of ignorance and denial. History lives in and through our bodies right now and in every moment. To mark losses, to live in history, to try our best to come to terms with the fullness of our ancestors, their triumphs and their flaws, is to move toward a groundedness in where we are. In life, we know our ancestors, our loved ones, one way. And in death, we might grow to know them differently. It isn't always easy or comfortable. I think celebrating Dr. King's birthday provides a window into memory and how loss makes available the facets of a person we may not have known during their lives. Which means that if we're honest, we get to dive into the muck of what it means to be human. Not just the muck of the people we lost, but the muck of how we remember. Which means that we might learn things that we did not know. We might ask, for example, why it is that in some spaces it is easy to recall King's dream, but much harder to recall his letter to many of the ancestors of those present in the sanctuary today. We can ask, we can wonder why in spaces like many of our families it is easy to tell stories that bring forth mirth, but harder to reconcile the stories that illuminate our shadows. To make space today is to breathe into our place in history, allowing it to live through our bodies and learning how to move with the call of love that we might learn to take a fuller responsibility for our inheritance. That we might learn that while we were not guilty for the sins of our past, we are all responsible for how we shape and reconcile our inheritance. So as we make space in this way, let us reach further than we believe we can. Let us be bolder than our anxieties say is safe. With that great cloud of witnesses, whispering prayers of joy and courage and encouragement in our ears, let us fulfill the promises of the past that we might move lightly into a future whose path can still be written. May it be so. And amen. Let us sing together.
we give thanks. Dear ones, as you prepare to go out into the world, as you depart, there are heart-shaped stones in containers along the front of the chancel. Things that are made of earth, like these stones, soak up the energy of a place, of a time, and of a people. These stones, bathed in the waters of our congregation and having borne witness to our time of remembrance, are here to accompany you on your journey. And so if you would like, I invite you to come up after the service, to take one of these stones with you, to tuck in a pocket, to place on an altar, knowing that these stones have been blessed by the intention and the care of the community and are a blessing for you to carry with you wherever it is that you go, a symbol that where you go, we will go. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.